0: If it's another squirrel and the Transformer, I might start to hate them. I think God might allow me to get away with that this morning. Well, thank you once again for being here this morning. We are dealing with a couple issues with lights and things like that. Hopefully those will be working shortly. As a young person once, I used to write poetry. I do that occasionally, not often anymore. I remember as a young lad, I, I don't know, one of those young lad days where you're kind of angry and hurtful at the world, and you put it down on paper. I remember writing this very spiteful poem, and after reading it, it was very terrible. It wasn't that good anyway, so I tore it up. I kind of put it in an empty basket by my desk and kind of moved on. But for whatever reason, later on that night, I was kind of inspired to kind of pick up the fragments, and something said, write down what you pick up. So I kind of picked up all the different fragments and kind of wrote a new poem. It's very interesting because that new poem, based upon the hate, was five times longer than the original one. It's a very interesting experience to say the fruits of my actions. Short little poem, nothing major, maybe inconsequential, but when torn up and gathered back together again was far larger than I realized. Our attentions for good or for ill sometimes has a bigger impact than we realized. The fruit of what we do can truly have a huge impact, not just in our lives, but the lives around us. And hence we come to this weekend's readings, especially this reading about loving your enemy. This is why Christ does command us to love our enemy because he precisely knows much more than we do the impact of our actions in the lives of those around us. Of course, we maybe not as much today with the darkness today, but we get to see constantly on the news, on the media, the effects of hatred, of revenge and evil in the world. We see it, unfortunately, in the recent abuse scandals within the church. We see it, of course, in the horrors of war. We see it and I hear it definitely in the kind of evils of private and public sin in the confessional. And always it seems to be getting worse rather than better. So for Christ to speak to us and speak to his disciples saying we must leave room to love in the face of great evil. That our first response to evil is to love it. It's a profound statement. It's one of the most profound things Christ says in the New Testament. But Christ knows so well the product of evil in the world. He knows also that it is the product of sin, original sin. But he also knows it's a temporal reality, that from the beginning of time, that was not how we were supposed to be. And since it's a product of this current earth, unlike love, unlike God, who is love itself, there is an end to sin, death, and evil that has a finite end. But with love, love has no end because it comes of and from God. As one scripture scholar kind of notes about this, that when we face down evil with love, he says we're not, by resisting evil in a sense, by in a sense allowing it to run its course, we allow it to spend its fury. We allow it in a sense to show its finiteness, its its temporalness, that evil does have an end. It does not conquer in the end. By allowing evil to exhaust itself, we're in a sense allowing God's life to flow through us, his love to flow through us. In many ways, for you who are parents, when you have a a child that might be having a a a tantrum of some kind, we allow it to run its course. We know the child does not have enough energy 99% of the time to keep getting angry. And that's much in the same way. That does not mean, of course, in certain situations we don't respond. But we do know that evil does have its end. And if we start to focus more on how we can present an act of love, an act of passivity sometimes to the world, God's life, God's love starts to dwell in us. It starts to, in a sense, move through us and pass out into the world. And once that happens, anything can happen. Just as kind of the opposite of that poem, you can tear up and do good things that has a much greater impact than you ever fully realize. The great, great philosopher, theologian, St. Thomas Aquinas, he kind of notes that about love. He says that love, which is that overflow of goodness, it overflows with God. That love by its nature is diffusive of itself. It, in a sense, belongs in its very nature to flow outward. He often compares love to water, like water gravitates to those empty, low, dry places. So where there's no water, water seeks it out. And that's exactly what love is trying to do every day of our lives. It's trying to find those empty, kind of void, sometimes occasionally hateful void spaces in our hearts to fill it up, to make it full of goodness, the full of God. We get to hear and see that in all the readings today as well. We get to see that in the lives of saints. We get to see that in King David in the Bible. King David had already been anointed to be king. It was his opportunity in this reading today to become king, to take it, whether it's by violence or passivity. That was his right. Saul was trying to kill him, his family, all those dear to him. That was his possibility. But David, of course, recognizes that if he was to be a true king, a true king like God, a God who is kind and merciful, as we heard sung in the response to our psalm, that's not the way to go about it. That to touch the Lord's anointed, which has now been extended to the whole world, that in our confirmations and the sacrament baptism, we are anointed. To harm any of the anointed is not of God. It's not of goodness, that the path of forgiveness, the path of love, is the ultimate path. And if he was to be a true king, that was how he's going to rule, to show mercy even the face of an enemy, the face of someone who has hurt him dearly. And in doing so, of course, he becomes the proper king, the model king, even though, as we know as king, he had his own feelings. He fell as well at points. But he just came back seeking forgiveness, seeking the goodness. Instead of filling up his life with hatred and bitterness and revenge, he decides to fill it up with a great love and praise of God. We see that in so many saints, especially so many of the great saints of the 20th century. There's Saint Maximilian Colby. One of my favorites is Blessed Takashi Nagai, who's the survivor of the atomic bombing at Nagasaki. Nagasaki, the one Christian stronghold in Japan, has the atomic bomb dropped on its cathedral. Takashi Nagai lost his wife in that explosion. Instead of responding to it with vengeance, with hatred for America, hatred for the rest of the world, hatred for life, for God, He saw this as an opportunity for real forgiveness. He looked at this moment as a holocaust that could end World War II and change the hearts of many. That's the response that we're looking for every day of our lives, to not allow hatred to create these voids, these empty spaces that lead us to be distant from other people, but a sense to find the love, to take the energy of that hatred out of the world. Every day we have an opportunity to make good choices or bad choices. We have an opportunity on our individual small levels, in a sense, to allow water of love to fill it up. That we can, in a sense, build up the kingdom of God, stone by stone, by removing out these other barriers. By person by person, family by family, work day by work day, school day by school day. We have something amazing we can do. And it has far-reaching effects. That's one of the great joys of being a priest here. And being a priest, just in general, we get to connect with people and hear the stories of how this connected to that, that this one prayer made a difference in the lives of someone else, how our sacrifice here played off in another way. Conversely, you also get to hear those moments where people occasionally, yes, choose the other way, and it causes far-reaching ramifications than they fully realize. The good news is that the diffusive love of God carries more weight. It spreads out through everywhere, and that we can do every day of our lives. The more we do this, of course, the more Jesus truly dwells within us. Instead of always just solely focusing on who we are or just our family, we can spread this love, enemy by enemy, transforming them hopefully into members of our families. So my brothers and sisters, this weekend we have a great chance, a wonderful chance in the Holy Eucharist to be overwhelmed by love, to truly be transformed by it. In a sense, to if we have those kind of holes or voids in our hearts, to allow, in a sense, Jesus to fill them up bit by bit. I always say, like, every time we go to confessions, in a sense, another kind of map of your heart has been reclaimed by Jesus Christ and his heavenly kingdom. That the more we seek that out, allow it to really fill us up, we're not really full of the hatred, the energy that that consumes. The more we do this, then, in a sense, that love can continue to flow outward from us out into the world, to our friends, our families, those we work with, those we struggle with, and allow them the chance to hopefully use some of their hateful energy, get rid of it, so they can be full up of the things that truly matter. So hopefully this weekend, as we continue to seek Christ with all our hearts and beings and minds and souls, we can truly allow that love to transform who we are, to be a people truly anointed by God, to share his kindness and mercy. If we do this every day of our lives to the best of our ability, when we leave this Mass, we can truly glorify the Lord by our own lives of love and peace. Amen.